Share Care, helping you. Get younger, get guidance, get better care, get smart, get fit. Radio MD presents Share Care Radio with Daria Long Gillespie, MD. Hi, this is Dr. Daria. The rates of autism and ADHD are rising. As a parent myself, it's something I've been worried about, and I wanted to know what can parents do and what do we need to know about this. To help us, I have Dr. Philip, also known as Dr. Pip Spandorfer. He happens to be my daughter's pediatrician, and we love him. He's a general pediatrician and pediatric emergency medicine physician at North Atlanta Pediatrics and Children's Healthcare of Atlanta Scottish Rite. Dr. Pip, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. I want to jump in. You've been practicing in pediatrics for 20 years. Talk to our listeners about how you've seen the rates of these and even other diseases change. Certainly, it's it's it is interesting, and we don't have good answers as to why there's an increase. But we know that there is an increase, uh, specifically with autism, um, and that you know the rates of autism are going up. Our diagnostic ability has improved. Mm-hmm. Um, we've changed the diagnoses and the criteria around a little bit, which helped uh, change some of the diagnoses. But we still know. Uh, there is an increase in di- in the rate of diagnoses with autism, for okay. sure. Okay, really interesting. Yeah. And like you mentioned beforehand, for all of our listeners, he was talking about the rates of a lot of diseases are rising. That is correct. So, that, so not just autism, but when you look at things like asthma, mm-hmm. you know, childhood obesity, diabetes, inflammatory bowel disease, particularly in the United States or you know, first world mm-hmm. countries. Yes, know, uh, we're definitely have been seeing an increased rise okay. in a lot of a lot of uh, diseases. All right, and so for today, we're going to focus on the autism and ADHD. We'll have to have you come back uh, to talk about all those other but, ways we need to be keeping our kids healthy. So first, let's just dive into autism. You, um, you know, first I'd like to kind of explain to listeners that it's a it's a huge spectrum, isn't it? That's is correct. Can you tell us about that? So there's a spectrum, and it's and then you can imagine you have some kids who are very severely uh, affected and mm-hmm. are very autistic and have very poor um, ability to interact with others mm-hmm. um, and may or may not have intellectual uh, disabilities as well. And then on the mild end of the spectrum, you have some people who are you know. A little have a little awkwardness with social interactions, and and for the most part, you know, are able to overcome a lot of the disabilities that they started with. Okay. You know, and you know, the other thing that I think is probably most interesting about autism is it's not um, static. It's not once you get diagnosed, you are stuck with that level of functioning. But we could actually really work with kids and with intensive therapy and really help them get better, so that they are able to overcome a lot of the a lot of the initial uh, mm-hmm. difficulties that they've been having. So that's really something I wanted to get into as to why early diagnosis is so important and the benefits of it. So let's get back for early diagnosis. Sure. You know, what are some things that parents can look for on their own? Okay, so you know, just to even talk kind of more from the medical side, what, mm-hmm. what is the actual diagnosis of autism and what what is it sure. that we're looking at? So it's, it's abnormalities in social interactions and communication. Um, a lot of repetitive behaviors, things along you know that line, um, difficulty with transitions. Mm-hmm. And we tend to see it um, really in the earlier ages, really by age two or three mm-hmm. is when we're really making the diagnosis of autism. Really? Um, what parents can notice, like in their child, mm-hmm. um, and, and some of this I took from Autism Speaks website. They have a nice, a very nice website okay. for anybody That's who's autism interested. autismspeaks.org, correct? Uh, dot com. Dot com. I believe it's autismspeaks.com. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. Autism um, Speaks, it's a wonderful organization. <laughs> if you Google it, you'll find yes. it. <laughs> um, so no big smiles or other warm, joyful expressions by six months. 
Okay. okay, so you. So we're talking six months. You need you can be looking in. Six months up. is the earliest that I think people can really diagnose okay. autism, or at least start to notice there's something going on with right. their child. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might not be diagnosing autism at six months, mm-hmm. but you're at least thinking there's something going okay. on. Um, they don't do the back and forth uh, babble. So like mm-hmm. you know you're talking with your daughter and she goes ah and you go ah uh-huh. and it goes back and forth. We and have very extensive conversations <laughs> that way. Yes. Exactly, and but that if that's if you're not having that, that okay. may be concerning as well um if the baby's not babbling by 12 months so one-year-old should be babbling quite a bit hopefully even have one word um you know and then certainly if there's any sort of regression if there's any loss of speech babbling or any social skills that would be concerning as well okay and so what you're saying as a parent i think if i were to see that in my child it'd probably be terrifying and one desire may be just to ignore it altogether but you're saying the best thing is to go talk to your pediatrician because you can actually affect the outcome absolutely i mean and and you know there's um a lot of ways that we can kind of get some evaluations and you know it's you know you get an speech therapy evaluation you can get an occupational therapy evaluation you can even get them involved in speech therapy and occupational therapy Mm -hmm. even before we have a diagnosis because we can start making some major improvements on that Mm -hmm. um you know so the earlier we start the better it is okay so for diagnosis and screening parents can be looking for things and then the pediatrician's also looking for things you have your own list so so the american academy of pediatrics recommends that we actually do screenings and so in our office we do a screening um you know i start i will start asking about it at every visit starting at six months and Mm -hmm. i ask the parents do you have any concerns for autism Mm -hmm. and a lot of times they say i'm not even sure what i'd be looking for yes you know so we talk about the things that would make me concerned mm-hmm. um you know does the child have a sense of humor and do they make good eye contact and mm-hmm. do they like people and you know um those those type of behaviors okay. um we do actual screenings for autism at nine months and at uh two and a half okay, okay. and if a child has questions you have concerns about them then is there an official diagnosis that they go through or what's the next step a lot of times we'll send them for to an autism specialist where they can actually go and get an evaluation um so if that's you know here we'll go to a baby's can't wait um type of facility which is kind of a government run where actually they will help with the diagnoses send them to a developmental pediatrician who specializes in autism and some of the developmental disorders now as we're talking about diagnoses, and we alluded to this in the beginning, you know, rates of autism are rising, and it's um, you know it's very concerning. Can we talk about that? What are some of the causes? What what do you think are causing it? Well, I think that there, we know that there's a genetic component. Mm-hmm. So there's something in our genetic you know composition that is happening, and then there's also, but our but it, when you look at our genetic components, you know the genes themselves have not been changing. Right. You know we have the same genes we've had for mm-hmm. you know millennia. But so something is triggering it, and and what that environmental trigger is, you know, presumably, I don't think we know yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we know that there's definitely an increase. You know, we know that it's happening. And I think you know if you look and say, is there something happening? You know, I don't. It's all hypothesis, so right. I don't want to. I don't want to start yeah. saying and, and making people think that it, that mm-hmm. this is fact. So I don't know. Is the all answer? Right. Is I think the best answer I can give you is we don't know the cause. And but we do know also they did change a diagnostic criteria in the nineties. But you say I, that doesn't account for everything. No, that's correct. So yeah, we were talking about this earlier that they did change some of the diagnostic criteria, and so that we're not calling people you know mentally retarded um, or as much as we were and we've changed and some of those people have actually been diagnosed more on the autistic spectrum than mental retardation but even when you start looking at just you know the cognitive impairment alone that has not the the change in that diagnosis you know does not account for all of the increase 
in a, um, autism cases. You know, okay. so th- there's something else going on. All right, but it's also we have to note it's not vaccines. A hundred percent not the vaccines. <laughs> okay, thank you for asking that because I, I think of all the possible causes that we can think about, that was the first thing that ever came up, and that came mm-hmm. up maybe what 25 years ago mm-hmm. when there was a paper published um, that was a very poor quality paper that suggested that. Well, that made pediatricians very concerned. They started investigating it. And there have been hundreds of studies and not a single second study could ever show that there was a connection. Mm -hmm. And so I would feel very comfortable saying we know definitely it's not the vaccine. And that study was found yes. to be fraudulent. Like that Correct. author the, lost his license. He lost his license. He admitted he made up the data. Mm-hmm. There was never any truth to it. Okay. And you understand the data. You've gotten your kids vaccinated. Absolutely. As do I. Yes. My daughter has had yes. all her vaccines. <laughs> yes. She's at your office. Yes, of course. So I, we can check the records. Yes. Know, for sure. Okay. <laughs> I had to throw that in. Thank you. Now, just really quickly, I want to talk about you know, any component of gender. Boys versus girls, do parents need to watch more closely? Um, boys, of course, have a higher incidence, um, you know, of autism. But again, it's not, still, I don't think we know why. Okay. You know. Again, and, one of those things. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Okay. And for everyone listening, we're going to get into some actionable tips on things we can do to reduce, you know, if you think you're at risk, what are some things to do? Um, but again, you're saying benefits of earlier diagnosis is getting into some of those different speech and speech therapies and other occupational therapies. Right. Speech therapy, occupational therapy, um, social skills training classes. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I was just, I saw something recently that, um, you know, children with, on the autistic spectrum have a hard time reading facial expressions, mm-hmm. and, but you can teach them to read facial expressions. And so really working with that um, so that they can interact with other people and understand kind of. Now, do we know the magnitude of how much you can change a child's trajectory if you get them involved when they're 12 months to 18 months I will versus tell waiting until they're four or five? Well, I don't know if we know that mm-hmm. uh, per se, but what I do, what we do know is that it does make a big difference. And I've seen it just personally with my own patients, patients who were not communicative, who, you know, or came in and, you know, just basically had echolalia where they repeated anything you ask, you know, you say, how are you today? And they say, how are you today? You know, <laughs> and they never, they never had a meaningful conversation. Mm-hmm. They would talk, but they would just repeat whatever was uh-huh. said to them. Um, two, three years later after, you know, have been in intensive therapy, the kid has a wonderful conversation with me and really? you know, get, walks in, gives me a hug. And it was really, it was really nice to see some of these improvements. That's fascinating. So while we may be diagnosing more and more people with it, we are also getting better ways that we are giving people with the diagnosis a better chance at a normal life. For sure. Okay. That's fantastic. You know, it still is a little difficult, though, because a lot of um, patients, particularly, you know, if they have, uh, it depends where they are on the spectrum, Mm -hmm. but to be living independently, you know, is is still a challenge for Mm -hmm. autistic adults a lot of them have jobs but to be able to come home and live independently Mm -hmm. you know without some sort of assistance that's where that's where we're getting into you know that we're having difficulties still okay but no matter what earlier diagnosis earlier intervention for sure period okay I want to jump into another, you know, totally different condition. Absolutely. It just happens to be one that also the rates for it on the rise. And it's a, a behavioral psychological mm-hmm. kind of condition as yeah. well. Yes. And that's ADHD. Absolutely. So let's just first talk about, you know, what do you think is the contributing to this increasing in diagnosis as parents ADHD? You know, that's a good question. Um, I think that we definitely have some, again, we don't, uh, there's no answer. 
okay, there's no definite answer as to what is causing the increase in ADHD. Mm-hmm. What, I, what I think we can say is we definitely have, um, are overstimulating our kids for, you know, a mm-hmm. lot. We're not making sure that they're getting their good night's sleep. The CDC just came out again recently with uh, emphasizing the need for sleep. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is huge. You know, if a child is tired, you know, they're not going to be focused as much. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be able, you know, they're going to be very distractible. Mm-hmm. Um you know, they might be a lot more fidgety. Mm-hmm. So making sure our kids get their good night's sleep is very important. And you mentioned stimulating the kids as far as TV. TV, the video games, the the electronics, mm-hmm. the constant exposure to electronics. And that does can contribute to that. There, there's there ha, there there is some con- contribution, you know, mm-hmm. um, and there may even be some contribution of the electronics believe in TV to autism. Believe it really? or not, really, there, there's been some suggestion of that, but I don't know if that that's you know mm-hmm. enough to say, but certainly staying away from TV is to me is a good thing. That's just you just gave me another reason to you know potentially right. keep it away or limit Correct. them at least. You know, are we seeing an overdiagnosis, and what's the difference between ADHD and just a kid who's hyper? Right, great questions. So there are definitions for ADHD, and you have to meet the criteria, and it has to be sustained. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's types of ADHD. There's an inattentive type where you really have a hard time focusing and paying attention, mm-hmm. and then there's the type where the kid is hyper mm-hmm. um, or hyperactive, and they're very um, hyper. So. So um, for ADHD, you know, the inattentive stuff, you know, they don't pay t- close attention to details. They have difficulty sustaining attention. They don't listen. Uh, very difficult uh, time with organization, mm-hmm. you know, trying to get their bags packed and ready for school. You know, that is just, you know, getting out of the house is a nightmare. Um, more so th- than yes, normal. <laughs> more so than normal. <laughs> Hyperactive fidgeting you can't, doesn't mm-hmm. stay seated. Okay. just seems as if they're kind of driven by a motor and just constantly on the go. Okay. And what are we talking for age for kind of screening and diagnosis for these? So for the, for the most part, you know, you're, when you're thinking about ADHD, you're really thinking about the earliest I like to really think about ADHD is really mm-hmm. five or six years old. And that's okay. on the early side. Really? Yes. I think, you know, when you have these four-year-old boys who are, you know, all over the place and just either on and going, going, going or off, I'm not sure that I'm ready to call that you know, ADHD. It's mm-hmm. a little early. There are some, you know, who are mm-hmm. ADHD and okay. who we know will become ADHD. Okay. But trying not to label them so early, I think is, you know, for me is important. I think mm-hmm. also with ADHD, a lot of it is parenting, you know, and, and making sure that we as parents are consistent. We're not making things worse, you know, that we um, are very clear to our kids, that we set realistic expectations. Mm-hmm. We don't make those empty threats where we say, if you do that one more time, you know, and we keep saying, if you don't, you know, I mm-hmm. said, if you don't stop that, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, just sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, you, you know how we can kind of goat our kids. Right. <laughs> so being careful that we're not goading them, and particularly if they have some, you know, ADHD okay. symptoms. So being really consistent, yeah. saying, you know, if you said one more time, then sticking to that. Absolutely. Because not doing that can make a kid with ADHD worse. Absolutely. It's just they need structure. Okay. Kids need structure. And, and realizing that we're not our kid's friend, but we're really their parent. Mm-hmm. And you know, we love our children. They know that we love our, them, but making sure that they know that we're still, you know, in charge and that mm-hmm. we're the parent and not okay. the friend. Okay. Interesting. And that'll help all kids, whether they have true ADHD Any kid. diagnosis Absolutely. or, you know, just, That's just my general don't want to listen, approach. which yeah. is every yeah. child, right? <laughs> yes. My toddler right now, we're going through that phase. It's really fun. Um, what right. about, you know, diet, sugar, things like that? Ex- excellent question. So what do we know? Like if I was to sit down with a new family who was just diagnosed or mm-hmm. we've just diagnosed um, with ADHD, you know, there's, what would I recommend for them to do? Mm-hmm. Certainly I would say, 
um, I want to make sure that your kid's getting a good night's sleep. And for the kids, you know, under high school age, so really the middle school and elementary school kids, I want them getting a good 10 hours of sleep at night. And it's funny, when I say that to a lot of kids, they say, everyone nods their head, yeah, that sounds great. We like to sleep. Mm-hmm. And then I say, what time do you get up for school in the morning? And yeah. I often will get a, you know, 630. I said, so what time do you need to be asleep to get 10 hours? Yeah. And then it takes them a minute or two to realize, ooh, 8.30. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's when they're like, no, no, I don't want to go to sleep that early. You know, it's so it's, it's like really, it is a lot hours. of sleep, but that's really what our so kids they need. need. Okay, so they sleep. really do. So sleep is important. What other actionable tips for ADHD? For, so if you have ADHD, making sure that they're eating healthy, mm-hmm. eating good protein meals and not just carbohydrates and, mm-hmm. and non-nutritive substances. The, does sugar really make our kids hyper or does the red dye no, is you know not really. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone gets a little you know sugar high, but then it goes away pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So sugar is not the culprit of okay. what's causing it. Okay, um, but having an unbalanced diet can make things absolutely. worse. Absolutely. Okay, you, you want to eat healthy and um, you want to stay active. Okay. You really want to have lots of you know if you have an ADHD child, a lot of breaks, a lot of physical activity is helpful, particularly for the for the hyperactive. Okay, so it's not just the physical activity, but lots of breaks in the middle mm-hmm. of when they're doing work too. Absolutely. Okay. You know, and other things that they can do, if, you know, is you have a fidget toy. It's really nice to have something that they can have their, you know, in their hands and just kind of fidget with. So, you know, for adults, a lot of times you'll see them with a pen and they just kind of click the pen or just uh-huh. flip it around in their hands or a paper clip. You know, the kids, there's those little balls or, uh, you know, those little rubber band balls that mm-hmm. you've seen or just any little object that doesn't really make a distraction in the classroom, but something that they can have in their hand and just kind of play with. I didn't know that. So a fidget toy or something little like that can actually help a child. Absolutely. Because okay. it just they're able to get their you know nervous energy out and their uh-huh. movement but they're still able to focus by you know by doing that they're not okay. thinking about oh my gosh you know i'm i'm, I'm dying here it's i need fascinating. to get, up and get with it it's fascinating okay absolutely i love that okay so moving from actionable for adhd to some actionable stuff for uh, autism in our last minute okay what can parents do you know during pregnancy and in the first six months year of life so I think, you know, during pregnancy, this is true for everything, you know, don't smoke, mm-hmm. um, don't drink, you know, take good care of yourself, eat healthy, mm-hmm. get rest. Um, mm-hmm. Those are always important things. And, you know, I'm not sure that we have any definites of, you know, if you have prenatal exposure to certain foods mm-hmm. or certain, you know, th- you know, certain mm-hmm. other exposures that that triggers autism or ADHD, but just taking good general care of yourself, I think is the best, you know, and limiting okay. whatever drugs or medicines you would need to take. Okay. For sure. Good. Um, you know, for the younger children, if you have concerns about your child and if you are wondering, does my child have AD, uh, have autism or not, there's a wonderful screen on the Autism Speaks website. Okay. It's called MCHAT, M-C-H-A-T, and it stands for Modified Checklists of Autism some, something along those lines. Okay. I'm sorry, I don't M- remember. Chat. M chat. Perfect. At and Autism Speaks at their website. On their we website. And you okay. can go to that website. You can do this. It's a 20-question survey. You do it, and then it gives you your results. Low risk, high, you know, intermediate, high risk, and you print it out and take it to your pediatrician. Okay. Fantastic. So it is a wonderful resource. Okay. And again, that was the MCHAT survey, and that was on Autism Speaks, because yes. as you mentioned, we don't always know what's causing the rise for these things. We know that earlier intervention is the key to really improve Ab- a child's trajectory for life. Absolutely. All right. 
Listen, you know, this has been fantastic, Dr. Pip. I really appreciate it. It was wonderful to get some great actionable information on how we can help our kids. Again, for all of our listeners, that was Dr. Philip Spandorfer, or Dr. Pip. You can find him on Twitter at the Dr. Pip, T-H-E-D-R-P-I-P, or at NorthAtlantaPeds.com. This is Dr. Daria, and you're listening to Share Care Radio on Radio MD. Thanks for listening, and stay well. Oh, 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 oh